I really want to thank Dean and our musicians over in the corner here, kind of hidden away, and our singers who are a bit more up front and who you've been able to see for leading us in this praise service tonight, giving us an opportunity to sing some familiar psalms and hymns of praise, which are much loved and well-known, and also an opportunity to learn newer songs that we can add to our repertoire here in Connor as we take time together each Lord's Day to worship the Lord. Sometimes we hear people saying, I heard someone singing your praises. We're joined tonight by Trevor, the new minister in Glen Murray. Trevor, it's great to have you here. And recently I've heard people singing your praises. You'll be encouraged to know. And I remember when I first arrived here, sometimes you would hear people saying, oh, I was in a house last night or I was speaking to someone and they were singing your praises. Not so much now, um, nearly six years in. These days, it's much more likely that when I go into someone's home, they're singing our Thomas's praises because of a service and super value. So that's what I tend to hear from all the, the oldies in Kells and Connor these days. But what does it mean to sing someone's praises? Well, when you're singing someone's praises, when someone is singing your praises, they recognize something within you that is worthy of praise. Maybe it's something that you've done for them. Maybe it's the way that you've behaved around them. Maybe it's something that you're really talented at or skillful at, playing a sport at school or at college, or someone watched you score that try or score that goal, and they were singing your praises. Well, of course, tonight, the reason why we are here, the reason why we're doing what we are doing, and the reason why we gather here week in, week out, and do this week in, week out in this meeting house, is our recognition and our understanding of God's Word that the Lord is worthy of our praise, and that, in fact, He alone is worthy of our ultimate praise and worship. And there's a truth about the Lord that I keep emphasizing in my ministry here. It's one that you will have heard me share with you from God's Word on many occasions in many different settings. And it's a truth that I want to keep emphasizing from the Scriptures. And that is that God is caring and He's capable. He's able to make a difference. We know that from His Word. The Word of God often speaks of the Lord as being the Almighty God. That's a title that is used of Him so much in Scripture. On many occasions in Scripture, we read of the Lord the description that He is the Maker of heaven and earth. At times in Scripture, when people are praying to God, and when God is revealing Himself to us through the prophets, He is addressed as the sovereign God. It means that He is the one who is in control of His creation. He is capable. He is able to make a difference. And the other 
truth about God that runs alongside that, and which is so important to hear from Scripture alongside that, is that He desires to make a difference, that God helps people, that God loves to save His people. Isn't that what we've been hearing in our series, which we have just finished on Sunday evenings in Judges, that in the midst of all of the mayhem of that book, and sometimes it might have been hard for you as we read through all of those events and met with all of those not very likable people, what is this all about? Well, right at the heart of Judges is that wonderful truth that the Lord loves to save His people. He is faithful in saving His people. And that's what we have spent so much time thinking about from God's Word in my time of ministering here in Connor. And there is continuity there because I know it's what my predecessors would have emphasized as well, that our God is utterly faithful. He is committed to keeping His covenant promises to His people. We've been able to trace that in our studies in the Old Testament in recent years. We, we thought about that when we considered the life of Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis. We considered that as we worked our way through the whole of the book of Exodus. We've been considering that recently in that already mentioned series in the book of Judges on Sunday evenings, and we're considering it right now on the Lord's Day when we meet together at noon as we're thinking about the life of David. Our God is able to make a difference. Do you trust that tonight in the midst of all that you're going through? And He desires to make a difference. God loves to save His people. Indeed, love is at the very core of His nature. John, one of the, the followers of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, doesn't tell us of God that God is loving. He goes much further. He reveals God is love. It's right at the, the essence of His being. It's, it's who He is. And we see these truths about God so clearly in Christ. We get to see them in Jesus. After all, Jesus, also known as Emmanuel, we'll be thinking about that word a lot in the coming weeks, God with us. We think about that reading that we hear as we come into this Advent and, and Christmas season, the, the introduction that John gives us to his gospel, and, and he, he tells us of Jesus that, that Jesus is the Word who took on flesh. He's the ultimate way in which God reveals Himself, the ultimate way in which God makes Himself known by coming Himself into this world. And we've thought about this often by looking together at some of the healing miracles that Jesus did during His ministry here on earth. If you take, for example, just earlier on in Mark's gospel, if you flick back to Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, and the circumstances are a man with leprosy comes asking Jesus for help, trusting 
that Jesus could heal him. And two things that strike us about the Lord Jesus in this short passage, side by side in verses 41 and 42. First of all, in verse 41, the description that Mark gives us of Jesus, that Jesus filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. Isn't that a term that really sums up all that we know about the Lord Jesus, all that the Gospels reveal to us about the nature of Christ? That He really is a gentle and a loving Savior. But then in the following verse, verse 42, immediately, that's the word that strikes me, that when Jesus rebukes, and we, we say that it trips off the tongue, but think about this, this is Jesus rebuking the waves and the wind. Be still, keep quiet, shut up, stop. And immediately there is calm. Such is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, His authority over His creation. And folks, these truths about God these truths about the Lord Jesus combined are good news for us. They really are. They are grounds for confidence, and they are a cause for praise, which is what we engage in tonight. And if we look for just a moment at Mark chapter 4 and what we read there in verse 35 and beyond, this time not a, a healing miracle, but it's one that shows Christ's authority over the creation that He was instrumental in making. And the background is that after a long day of ministry, Jesus and His disciples decide to cross the Sea of Galilee. The storm brews up, it whips up, and the boat is almost swamped. And the disciples are in a panic. They think they're done for. And yet again, two things about the Lord Jesus… The first thing is in verse 38, we're told Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. I wonder why Mark put that in there, inspired by God's Holy Spirit. It seems like a very insignificant detail in some ways, such a tiny detail that Jesus, not only Jesus was asleep on the boat, no, Jesus was asleep on a cushion. It seems really small, but it's hugely significant. Think what it's like when we're trying to sleep in places that are unfamiliar, in places where we don't normally sleep, when we would just love to get to our bed. If you have to sleep on a flight or on a sailing or on a train journey, and you're trying to get yourself comfortable. And so often on long-haul flights, you see people with all kinds of devices and pillows and cushions and trying to get themselves. It's an important travel accessory. Some people take their own pillow with them on holiday. It doesn't matter where they're going to. They'll get it packed in somehow because that is such a key to a good night's rest. And here we read of Jesus sleeping resting his head on a cushion. And it's such a great reminder to us that 
as we understand the identity of Jesus, Jesus was not some Superman. He was not some Marvel comic hero. And he was not some kind of spirit who was disconnected from the real world. As Jesus walked on this earth, as Jesus ministered here, He was exactly like you. He was just like us, with real feelings, going through real hardships, in need of sleep, just as much as later on tonight you will be in need of sleep, subject to weakness, just as you and I are so subject to weakness. That what we come to understand from God's Word about the Lord Jesus is that, and this is a, a big thing for us to get our heads around, but that He is both fully human and fully God. Not half and half, as some people suppose, but somehow, incredibly, miraculously, wonderfully, at the very same time, fully human, just as much a human being as you are, and fully God. And we need to know this is such good news for us. Because he understands. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, he is described as being a sympathetic high priest. That is, he intercedes on the behalf of his people, as he intercedes on behalf of those who have been sought and saved by Him, those who have placed their faith in Him. He desires to help you, and He understands all of your frailties and your weaknesses, your struggles and your problems. But then in this passage, we're confronted with His incredible divinity, the truth that He is God, that he got up, verse 39, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. His amazing authority over his creation. So that no wonder the disciples reacted in the way that they did. If you look at verse 41, they were terrified. They were in awe of Jesus even though they'd spent time with Him, even though they thought that they were starting to get to know this Master who they were committing their lives to following, they were in awe, they were terrified. And the big question, who is this? We thought we knew Him, but really, who is this? Like even the, the wind and the waves obey Him. And I want you to know, believer in Christ, that the one who is in full control over the elements of nature which He brought into being, He has control over your circumstances. And so we need to hear and reflect upon and respond to Christ's question in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? People, Jesus 
is God. And in him we get to see in such a clear and a powerful way that God cares and God is capable. Honestly, who else would you turn to? Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to him. Jesus said, if I am weak, I should come to him. No one else can be my strength. I should come to him. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus. Jesus, strong and kind. Sometimes we hear that someone was singing your praises. Picture the scene tonight in glory. As the Lord Jesus reigns, he perfectly reigns right at the side of his Father. As he speaks up for you tonight, believer in Christ, for you're the brother or the sister that he is not ashamed of. And picture the scene that his father would say to him, tonight in Connor, they're singing your praises. Who else is worthy of our praise and worship? Let's sing his praise.